Welcome to the Life Fellowship Ministries International Broadcast. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. This morning, I wanted to talk about, I call this law or life. Um, in our small groups, we're going through the book of Galatians, so I thought I would talk on Galatians since I know a little bit about Galatians, having the small groups on Galatians. And, and I think um, Galatians has a really important purpose for us. It's basic. It's faith through Jesus Christ alone. That's the message. But I think we need to hear that uh, every once in a while. Uh, the Apostle Paul wrote his letter to the Galatians because there was a thought that creeped into the churches in the area of Galatia that the converted Jews had told the converted Gentiles, well, no, you're not Christian. You can't be Christian unless you first become Jewish. So you've got to keep the Sabbath. You've got to eat our foods. You've got to be circumcised. You have to obey the Mosaic laws you do that and you believe in Jesus Christ, then you're saved. And Paul was horrified. He was horrified at that message. First of all, it would prevent a lot of Gentiles from converting, right? I mean, you're a grown man. You say you have to be circumcised. Well, <laughs> no, thank you. Or you, you can't eat bacon. How about that? Um, but the true message of Paul when he went through the churches in Galatia was that they were saved through faith in Jesus Christ. And after he left Galatia, the, these people, they were called Judaizers. Their converted Jews came in and started preaching this heresy to the churches in Galatia. So uh, Galatia was in the area of middle Turkey. Um, it, it was right, right in the center of Turkey. The Galatians were originally from, uh, descended from the Gauls who had come from the area of what we call France today. They had uh, invaded Rome and had actually conquered the city of Rome, or sacked it, not conquered it. They sacked it in 390 B.C. And they made their way uh, eastward towards Greece, conquered the city of Delphi, and they eventually settled, um, one part of it, of the Gauls settled in the area called Galatia in middle Turkey. Well, as you, was, you know, as you know, the Romans conquered that area later, and they conquered the Gauls or the Galatians. And Caesar uh, was not too fond of the Galatians. He said of the Galatians, the infirmity of the Gauls, that's what they were, they were Gauls in Galatia, is that they are fickle in their resolve, fond of change, and not to be trusted. And so maybe that's a little bit of background as to why they were falling for this heresy after Paul had, had um, converted them to the Christian faith. Many scholars believe that Paul wrote his letter uh, after his second missionary journey, but some believe he wrote it after his first missionary journey in 49 AD. It might have been Paul's first letter. Uh, interestingly, this letter is not to a specific church. If you notice, uh, for instance, uh, Colossians is to the church in Colossae. Ephesians is to the church in Ephesus. And Corinthians is addressed to the church in Corinth. 
But Galatians is addressed to the area, so it was meant to be a circular letter to be shared among various churches in the area of Galatia. And he wrote this letter to counter this legalism that had crept into the churches there to emphasize the central nature of uh, grace within the church. These Judaizers had infiltrated these churches, and they had themselves been converted, but they added to conversion the um, strictures of Mosaic law because they, they, that's what they continued to practice. They continued to practice uh, Mosaic law and observe it. Um, but, but Paul was, was, was horrified at this because he felt it would prevent the spread of Christianity. It threatened the spread of Christianity through the Gentiles. Uh, Paul said in Galatians 1, 8, Galatians 1, 8 through 9, of this heresy, he said, Let God's curse fall on anyone, including us or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news than the one we preach to you. I say again what we have said before. If anyone preaches any good news, then the one you welcomed, let that person be cursed. So he was, he was pretty serious. This is a letter where Paul also didn't have his usual greetings. You know, I'm Paul the Apostle, he said that. But usually he praises, gives a thing of praise. Well, he jumped right into it with the Galatians and saying, you're falling for a heresy and I'm not going to stand for it. So what is the good news? You know, I hear that a lot, um, and some people might not know what that is, and Paul defined it pretty well, gave a good summary of it in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4, so I'm going to read that to you. This is Paul talking. Now let me remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then, and you still stand firm in it. It is this good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you, unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. I pass on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the Scriptures said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the Scriptures said. That's the good news. Uh, So going back to Galatians, Paul explains... Uh, why obeying the Mosaic law has nothing to do with salvation whatsoever. In Galatians 2, 19 through 20, he says, For when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. So I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all of its requirements so that I might live for God. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So, you see, God knows that we ourselves are incapable of saving ourselves because we're incapable of following every single one of God's laws. So his plan was to, I call it rig the system, his plan was to reside in our hearts to change us and to sanctify us and Paul explains this thoroughly in Romans. In Romans 8, 3 through 11, starts off by saying, the law of Moses was unable to save us. And this is his message to, essentially his message to the Galatians. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. 
He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by Holy Spirit or the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. Going on to verse 6, so letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace, for the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's law, God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. So you see, the real issue is not about the law or whether you follow the law or keep the God's um, commandments. It's really about sin because sin prevents us from being able to do that. It's impossible for us to to abide in all of God's law. And that's why the Judaizers who had come in and say, you've got to obey the Mosaic law, made no sense to Paul. Um, because it had, following the law has nothing to do with salvation. Uh, Romans 8, verse 9 continues, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. And Christ lives within you. Isn't that something? He lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Jesus, Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal body by His same Spirit living within you. So going back to Galatians, Paul makes it absolutely clear that, you know, they couldn't save themselves, and we can't save ourselves by being good, for instance, by doing good deeds, uh, by being morally upright, by striving to comply with the Ten Commandments. No, no one can obey can obey the Ten Commandments 100% of the time. It's impossible. Everyone's broken them, you and me. Um, and if you don't think you've broken the Ten Commandments, let me just throw out some examples. Have you put yourself before God? That breaks the first commandment. Have you served yourself, believed in yourself, and not in God at times? Well, that breaks the second commandment. Have you ever taken the Lord's name in vain? Have you kept the Sabbath and kept it holy? Have you honored your parents your entire life? Have you, have you ever hated somebody or wished they were dead? You don't have to kill somebody to break that commandment. You just have to think it. Have you ever stolen anything? Here's a, here's a way of stealing that we don't think about often. Have you ever goofed, goofed off at work when you're supposed to be working? That's kind of stealing from the employer, right? 
Have you ever gossiped about someone? Have you found yourself longing for other people's things? These are, these are things we do in our sinful nature. And, and so if, if somebody says, I've never broken the Ten Commandments because I've never murdered somebody, well, that's looking at the strict letter of the law, not look at, looking at the purpose of the law. So we, we've all broken it. And here's what Galatians says, Galatians 3, 10 through 14. But those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under, are under his curse. For the scriptures say, cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of the law. So it's clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. <clears throat> For the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. It's not the law, it's through faith. The way of faith is very different from the way of the law, or the way of law, which says it is through obeying the law that a person has life. But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone, any, everyone who is hung on a tree. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised Abraham. So that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. So Paul, met, Paul mentions Abraham. And uh, we don't have this on the screen. In Genesis 15, 6, it says, Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. You see, Abraham was saved through his faith. Abraham was the hundreds of years before the Mosaic Law. He was hundreds of years before the existence of the Israel nation. And what saved Abraham? It wasn't the law. It wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't being good. It was his faith in God that saved him. And it's that same faith we have today in Jesus Christ that saves us. It's not anything else. So um, listen to this. In Galatians 2.21, Paul says, I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless, for if keeping the law, the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. Think about that. Remember when Jesus was praying to God to take the cup from him? And if there was any other way to save us, God would have chosen that way. But the only way he could save us was through Jesus on the cross. So, Going back to these Judaizers, I tried, to, I tried to relate that to today. You know, do we have Judaizers or people like the Judaizers today? And I was thinking, you know, sometimes in our own ways, we are our own Judaizers. Now, I'll give you an example about myself. You know, when I was a child, I used to like to watch the, the ants, you know, do their thing. And I'd give them little, little pieces of food and I'd think, oh, God likes that. Now, that's a good thing for God, right? Or 
you know, if I return a grocery cart, oh, that's, I did something good. That's on the plus side for God. See, that's putting the focus on me and my actions and not on, on God. And does that mean that we don't have to practice moral uprightness? As Paul would say, of course not. But why do we do good things? We do what's right because we're transformed into creatures that desire to do what is right as a consequence of Jesus Christ living in us. It's what Pastor Mark often cites. We live by the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 through 24. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. In other words, Holy Spirit grows His fruit within us, and we, as a consequence, follow the law. We don't follow the law because we have to. We follow the law because the fruit of the Spirit helps us follow the law. If we love each other, right, if we cheat treat each other with joy, if we live peacefully, if we exercise patience, if we're kind to each other, if we're good to each other, if we're faithful to each other, if we're gentle and exercise self-control, then we're living by the Ten Commandments, right? And that's because of the fruit of the of Holy Spirit living within us. It's not what saves us. What saves us is our faith in Jesus Christ who resides within us. Galatians 5, verse 22, 24 continues. So those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. So works, even good works, don't save. This is what Paul told the Galatians back then, and it's what the Word tells us today. Um, here are other examples of Judaizers in today's world. Uh, within the modern church, I'll say. Uh, today's Judaizers preach tolerance, and modern social justice, that if you don't believe in tolerance and you're not politically correct, then you're not reflecting a true Christian value. You know, we have a generation of Christians who believe that to be a Christian, you have to be tolerant and you have to exercise political correctness. This is Jesus Christ plus something else. They would have us believe that our faith is proven and validated by tolerance and political correctness. Just like the Judaizers, they will say, if you are intolerant according to their standards or politically incorrect, you must not be a Christian. This is belief in Jesus plus something else, and it's wrong. There are other forms of Judaizers. There are churches that believe you must worship on Saturdays. We talked about it in our, in our small groups. Others believe you're not saved unless you're water baptized. Others believe you have to adhere to the Jewish holidays, Hanukkah, instead of Christmas 
or Passover or Resurrection Sunday. Other churches, you've got to dress a certain way. Um, for others, it's about exclusively using Hebrew words for uh, God, Holy Spirit, and things of a Christian nature. For many, it's a combination of these things. And nearly all of them, however, have one thing in common. They add things on top of belief in Jesus. So the Judaizers were wrong back then, and they're wrong in the 21st century. And Apostle Paul was very stern with them, and we need to be strong in our faith. Um, does that mean that we as Christians can ignore the law? Because he told them, you don't have to obey the Mosaic law. You're saved without that. Paul would say, of course not. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 17 through 20, Don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. So if you ignore the least commandment, and teach others to do the same, you will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. I'll repeat that. So if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same, you will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys God's laws and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Notice that you're in the kingdom of heaven. Whether you teach others to ignore the least commandment or you teach them to, be, uh, to follow the commandment, the point is you still have Jesus Christ, your faith in Jesus Christ who saves you, but your position in heaven might be affected. So even though we're saved through faith in our Lord Jesus, we, we are to strive to live according to the law, not because that is saving to us, which is what the Galatians were, were taught, but because the Holy Spirit compels us to. Because we desire to live according to the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 